Good morning. I think we're all wired up here. Brian encouraged me to keep my mask on. He said I look much better um, that way, but uh, he's like, delightful to be here. Um, I believe, I, I've never been here before, but boy, the, the name Auburn Bible Chapel has uh, been part of my world for decades, I mean decades. Um, before most of you were born, I used to come up here uh, on a Tuesday night uh, in Peterborough and do a, a Bible study with some of the Peterborough Peets. Now, I'm talking decades ago, uh, Doug Jarvis um, and that, that group, uh, Glenn Wagner, uh, Randy Johnson, you know, those, the, that group, which again, I mean, that's a long, long time ago. And that was before hockey ministries existed, but uh, always ended up that I think some players came here and some uh, people that assisted were part of this chapel. And so it's a delight to make this uh, connection. And for someone who's lived there basically their whole life in the 416 in Toronto, I know how much you know. You are united in despising Toronto, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it, Peterborough always was this wonderful place to come to. Um, you know, uh, because of, I think the the lake right in the middle of it, the rivers and the uh, the uh, trench system and all of that, and we always enjoy coming into this area. For years, we cottaged near Apsley, and uh, so we always came through. Here And it's always good to be anywhere where Brian Miller is and his family, uh, Noah and the, the girls, and also Barry back uh, on the sound system there has been a, a help with us in hockey ministries over the years. I have stepped down from uh, hockey ministries. Um, I'm very old and uh, confused, and um, they felt other people should come in and do that, and which is a, a great... Uh, we have a wonderful uh, Ontario team leader now. His name is Jeff Jackson, and also a friend of, of Brian's, and we continue on with the, with the ministry. Um, uh, it is a delight to be together, isn't it? As you, as you said so well, as you led us in worship. Um, I, this week I had to, I guess it's video uh, tape two sermons for a church that has yet to open up. And they want, they, later in, in the month they want to use these sermons. And, and it, boy, it is, I am not that comfortable talking to, a, to a, a camera. And it is certainly better to be together in, in, you know, that wonderful mystery Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, I am there with you. Um, I, recently I was talking to another friend who is doing some uh, occasional preaching. And uh, I said to him, now are you speaking to a for lack of a better term, a live congregation, and he said, no, they're Presbyterian, um, which I, I, and I apologize to any, any Presbyterian, but I wasn't quite sure what he, what he meant by that. Um, the, the, this text that we have before us, uh, parables, um, I, I love the parables, um, I will confess to you that early on that I thought Jesus was teaching us the great mysteries of God and making them simple through the parables, but I have learned that really the parables have twists and turns and challenges to my worldview and to the worldview of the listener. Uh, these are in some ways challenging. They're not necessarily difficult, but they are certainly challenging uh, for, for us of how do we, we think through our lives and how do we live our lives as followers of uh, Jesus. Uh, 
Excuse me, and this one uh, is a, the, it's simply called the parable of the great banquet. And um, what triggered this parable was Jesus had actually been at a banquet, and he had, he had made some observations while he was there. One thing happened is that he performed a miracle that almost went unnoticed. I mean, people ended up sort of complaining about it after, but what he did notice was that people wanted the best seats. Um, I have been a Baptist pastor. Uh, in, in Toronto for 18 years, seven years, and then another seven years as a youth pastor in a Baptist church. And we knew, you know, the best seats in the house were at the back, right? I mean, they people fought to get those, uh, to get those seats. I think that, you know, where are the exits and how can we get out of here? Um, and, uh, and, and, but people, you know, they want the best seats um, of the banquet. Now, whether that's near the buffet table or whether it's near the, the host, I'm not sure what they were, but, but they f- seem to fight over it. And so Jesus sort of gives them a bit of a rebuke and he says, you know, actually when you, when you go about uh, offering a big dinner, a banquet of some, some nature, don't go and invite people who can invite you back, but go out and invite the, the people that are less fortunate than you are. And, um, and, and then you will receive a reward. In, in the verse 14, it says, And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then a man sitting near Jesus, in response to Jesus saying that, you will, repay, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, a man makes a statement that was a very common statement. It was something that, that people would say at an appropriate time, at that devout Jews would say. And the man says, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And, and, and that's a, you know, the great hope was the Messiah was coming and the Messiah would establish his kingdom and his authority. And during that time, there would be such a celebration of that, there would be a great banquet. And, and, um, and, and blessed would be the righteous Jews who sat at that table. And so there was that great expectation of that. We will share the, the, the idea of the table and the idea of the banquet is all through Scripture. Um, you know, the, the, the verse in, in the book of the Revelation that is famous, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open, I will come in and eat with you. Have, have a meal with you. Middle Eastern hospitality is very much about that, the enjoying fellowship together, enjoying meals um, together. And, and in uh, the book of the Revelation, uh, the, you know, this is coming for, for the followers of Jesus. In, in, verse, in chapter 19, it says, Then I heard in what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. There's a feast coming. I was in a meeting yesterday with a bride and groom and they're getting married uh, in October in Carlton Place. And so we went, they've asked me to perform the wedding and, 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 they, and as I was leaving they go, Come hungry, there's going to be lots of food. <laughs> I say, you don't have to ask me twice. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, the Lamb of God is, 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 
going to have a feast for the bride, which is Auburn Bible Chapel, isn't it? The bride of Christ is the church of Jesus Christ. So that's where we're headed. And so there is this expectation amongst, amongst the righteous Jews that there was going to be something, and the righteous Jews were going to be the ones who got invited to the banquet. And so this is where the twist comes. This is where Jesus challenges our thinking. And Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And, and that was what happened, right? Um, if, you're, you know, if, if you have a wedding coming up in October, you've already sent out the invitations. And, and you, know, you give lots of advance. So there was lots of advance warning. Someone sent out the invitation to them. And then, like when we go to a wedding... They tell us, well, you know, the wedding's at 2, and the dinner's at 6, right? And they're going to go get photographs, and we're to wander about, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and then at 6 we will come. But we're not sitting down at 6, are we? We're milling about and waiting and waiting, and then someone will say, now's the time. Come and sit in. Come and everything's prepared. The bride and groom are here now. And now it's the time. And this is what's happening here. There's been an initial invitation that has gone out, and people have all received it, and they have responded that they're coming. So this is in their calendars. They, they've written it in an in ink, and, and they're coming. And so then he sends out his servants to say, okay, the barbecue's done. We've roasted that you know, veal or you know, whatever it is they're serving. They, they, they've got it there and all the food. So now's the time for you to come. And it's at that moment where these excuses start to come. And they start saying to him, these, these, and it says, all alike began to make these excuses. And one guy just says, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. The second one says, I just bought a team of oxen, five oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Another one said, I just got married and I can't come. Do you think if you bought a field, maybe you would have already looked at it? And wouldn't the field, are, wouldn't the field be there tomorrow? Wouldn't the field that be there next month? I mean, you could look at it yesterday. You could have looked at it last week. You could have looked at it before you signed on the dotted line. I mean, what a ridiculous excuse it is. And Jesus is intentionally, he is, he, he, he is, he, he is using He's making these people look ridiculous. And then a the guy goes, I've just bought a team of, of, of five oxen. I think I'm going to try them out. Really? You've bought expensive farm equipment and you haven't jumped on it and turned the, the key and seen if the thing starts up? See, you know, does this team even work together? You know, they, you know are they healthy? Are they, wouldn't you have done that already? Of course you would have. It's a ridiculous excuse. And a person would have planned a wedding long in advance. They wouldn't have all of a sudden gotten married, you know. Where did, where, you know all, oh, my goodness, all of a sudden I'm married. You know, I didn't know. Now, maybe this guy does have a little bit. Maybe his wife won't let him come. I don't, you know. But, but you see, these are demeaning excuses. These are insulting 
excuses. These are, we don't value you at all. This isn't important to us at all. And we live in a world. Jesus is irrelevant. Jesus says, you know, the, the gospel is there, the kingdom of God is present, and Canada lives as if it doesn't matter. We've got all sorts of excuses. We've got all sorts of, of, of reasons for that. And the response of the owner is an interesting... What the, how does Jesus portray the owner? He doesn't say, well, he got over it and said, well, listen, you know, it says he was angry. The owner was emotional. The, the, the owner was passionate. And the owner was angry at this and he called out his, his employees and he says, you go quickly into the streets and the alleys of this town and you bring in the poor, the disabled, and the blind. You go out into the, into the neighborhoods here that are tough neighborhoods and you bring those people in and it's interesting, who did he say to bring in? Disabled people, blind people, and poor people. How did they stack up against righteous Jews? They said, blessed is the man who will uh, uh, enjoy this banquet. Right? That was what triggered this. That the righteous Jews were going to the banquet. Who were not going to the right banquet? Unrighteous. The Gentiles, us. And the unrighteous Jews. Well, how did you determine if a person was righteous or not? Do you remember that interesting comment where, where Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven? You know, and we, and we can look and go, well, yeah, I mean, that'd be tough for rich. Rich people are self-sufficient. Rich people can become prideful. Rich people can think they don't need God. They didn't think that then. Because do you remember how the, how the disciples responded when Jesus said that? The disciples went, responded to Jesus when he said that it was hard for rich people to get into heaven. They said, who then can be saved? Because they believed if you were rich, you were blessed by God. You were righteous. You were getting into the banquet. If you were poor, you, did, you deserved to be poor. You got what you deserved. Do you remember the blind man? That Jesus is going to heal the blind man and the disciples say, okay, just before you do this, tell us about the causes of this. Was it his sin or was it the sin of his father? That's how they thought. If you were blind, it was because you had done something wrong or your family had done something wrong. You weren't righteous. You didn't deserve to get in. And the disabled Jesus, you know, forever, they were isolated people. The person who was, who was at the, the uh, pool of Siloam, isolated there for 38 years. They were, yes, they, they sometimes would give them, you know, food. They would give them support. They would give them money. But they, you know, they, they were not part of us. And none of those people, the blind, the disabled, or the poor, could join in with the religious festivals. Right? They could not come up to the temple. They couldn't, they, you know, the poor couldn't afford to. Remember, they, they, they had to do the money changing? Well, they didn't have money. 
So they, they couldn't do that. They couldn't get in. The poor, could, uh, the, the blind certainly didn't deserve to get in. The, 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 the disabled, they, they couldn't get in. And so Jesus is, is telling this thing and go, you people who think you're righteous, the kingdom of God, Jesus is coming for those who you think are outside of this. You go out into the streets. And then immediately the, the, the employee says, um, what you've ordered has already been done, but there's still room. And so what does he do then? He says, then the master said to him, you go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in. Go outside the city. Go outside. What did Jesus say? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. And what you have back there is a mission board. You've sent people across the street. You've got great people with YFC here. Or are they called YFC? I always get confused what it's called. Um, um, yeah, great people with, with YFC here that are working in this community and working across Canada, and you've got people that are going across the ocean. We had the joy and privilege of serving for three years in the country of Angola. And, uh, you know, and, and it was in the middle of a civil war. It was a communist country. It was a tough place to live, but you know, we, we watched the Lord doing incredible things in there. And, and, and this is what he is saying. He says, now you go out and also understand that there's going to be people who get this invitation and they know they don't deserve it. So they're not coming. They're not good enough to come. And so they're going to say, no, I can't go there. I can't go to that banquet. I'm not good enough. And that's why Jesus says, no, no, you go out and you compel them to come in. You make them come in because they know they don't deserve it. They know that. I got invited to play golf at the National Club. It is ranked number one or number two in Canada. A very exclusive club. I wore my best shorts. Okay? I get out of my car, and I go to my trunk, and a man comes over to me, and he says, Sir, you can't wear those shorts here. And I'm thinking, these are the best shorts Giant Tiger sells. I mean, what, 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 what do you mean I can't? They had a little zipper on the side. And you could not have a pair of shorts at the National Club. I wasn't good enough to get in. And so my friend who was a member had to buy shorts for $75 for me. I buy automobiles for $75. You know, I, there I was. You know, and I go home, hon, I've got $75 shorts on. I've never bought shorts for, for $75. I wasn't good enough. They make these standards, you know, and, 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 you know, and you know what that's like. You never know, how do I dress here? How do I, you know, how do you fit in? You feel awkward. And these people knew they were not good enough. I stood in line at, at one of our uh, hockey ministry events, and um, the guy standing uh, in front of us, wonderful guy, very helpful to HMI, not a spiritual interest in his, in his, uh, in his life at all, uh, won the Stanley Cups, twice scored 50 goals in the NHL. 
Um, and we're talking. And, and, and see, part of the problem is this guy hangs around with Christian players, and Christian players are good guys. He knows James Reimer. He knows Mark Osborne. He knows these guys don't cheat on their wives. These guys don't abuse drugs. These guys don't abuse alcohol. They're great team players. And he knows them, and he knows I'm not as good as them. And so we were talking, and he, you know, and then he was expressing that. He goes, Paul, I could never be part of that. I'm not good enough. And I, and I made a kind of a corny comment. You know, it wasn't any bright. I said, and somebody else I'd heard it from, and you've probably heard it. And I said, you know, heaven's not full of good people. Heaven's full of forgiven people. And he turned around, and he looked at me, and he said, Paul, if that's true, I could believe this. And I said, it is true. What, but, but, and, and Jesus is saying, you go out and you get those people that everybody else says doesn't fit in, including the Gentiles, <laughs> like us. Like we got brought in. We didn't deserve it. We weren't part of the, the great history. We got grafted in, Paul says, um, in it. And, and, and then you go out and you compel those people who you, you know, who everybody's going, they know they're not good enough because they aren't good enough. And it's never about being good enough, is it? We are going to celebrate the table of the Lord today because we know we are not good enough and the problem was so great, the issue was so great, the gap between our invitation to the banquet and getting into the, it was so great that God had to send His Son to die on a cross, to rise from the dead, to demonstrate His victory over sin that has broken me and marred me and, 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 and confused me. And He showed a victory over that so that, that that sin puts me back together and then puts me back into a relationship with Him so that I'm sitting at the table he went out and he said, you don't deserve this, but you, you come right in here. And, then, and, 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 and he's, he's done that through his grace and through his power and through the, the power of the resurrection, which also demonstrates power over the last enemy we have, which is death. Just, you know, with this young couple... One of the big aspects is, is, is a, as a young girl, her mother died. Well, you're planning a wedding. She wants her mother there. And so we just thought, well, how can we honor your mother? How can we, without making it, you know, how, how would you be comfortable, you know, with this? Because death is an enemy. It is not natural. It is common. You know what the death rate is in Toronto? One apiece. It's 100%. Everybody dies, right? Right? The death rate, and death is an enemy, and it rips us when we, our loved ones die. But Jesus says, no, no, I'm victorious over death. I beat sin, and I beat death. You come on into this banquet. So what does any of this... Um, mean for us as we go about living our our lives 
Well, I think it encourages us to, li- to, to live in humility and gratitude, doesn't it? If we can reflect and go, man, we were brought in. We got that great invitation. Um, we were lost. We were poor. We were disabled in, in all of that. And, and, and living with gratitude is a great liberator. We live in a culture that tells you whatever you've got, it's not good enough. Your phone, I know you bought it last week, but it's out of date. And, and you know, and, and, and your car, you know, you need more tech. You know, whatever it is, you, you, uh, you, you shouldn't be happy with it. But gratitude's the liberator. You know, Brian and I, I mean, we, we work with hockey players that make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you know what that seems to be the common theme with all of them? They want more. They want more ice time, they want more power play time, and they want more, more money. They don't enjoy the moment. They go, you know you're playing in the NHL. You know, you know you're, you're flying in the best planes with these, you know, you're not flying with everybody else, you're staying in the best hotels. You know that, do you? No, no, they want more. They want, you know, they, they can't enjoy the moment. They can't live with a sense of uh, gratitude. But it also speaks to us about the human condition. And this is this, and the human condition is that we, you know we're trying to figure out our how do we go back to our history as as a nation and deal with it. Well, you know we can deny it or we can continually beat ourselves up about it, you know whatever it is. But what it does tell you is that we all are sinful people. Everybody's a sinful person. You know, if if in the in the history you are a victim or you're a victimizer, you're all sin. Everybody's a sinful person. The famous quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn is, the line, separate, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, not between classes, nor between political parties, either, but right through every human heart. It's in all of us are, are, are that way. And, and that explains the human condition in the sense of the darkness of it, the brokenness of it, but it provides us with the great hope that how broken Canada is, there is hope. It's Jesus and only Jesus. And, and, and so we, it speaks very much to our, to our days and how, what, what's the presence that we bring that presence to Peterborough, we bring that presence to our workplace, we bring that presence to our school, to our neighborhoods, to our... Um, communities in, in all of those, those things. And, and uh, it, it speaks to us, and it reminds us that as we worship here in community, as we share in what we're going to call communion, that Jesus is in us. And when we have nothing to say, and when the brokenness is so overwhelming, we know that Jesus is present and His Spirit will speak to situations. I, a pastor for 25 years in, in Toronto, and foolishly near the beginning, I used to think I had something to say sitting at, 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 at the deathbed when, it, when the, a family lost an infant. I have nothing to say. Jesus is present. That's, what, that's all I bring. I bring the presence of Jesus to it. And Jesus is in them. And Jesus loves them. But the brokenness, and you you start saying silly things, and then you you go away and you go, man, that was, you know, and you stop saying things, and you just came in God's presence. And many of you have have had that experience. Peter 
was given the great privilege of being the voice to the Gentiles. And in that, you know, he, he later on, after, you know, that, 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 that church just exploded around the world, he reminded them in, in uh, Second Peter, he said, but, you know, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once you were not invited to the banquet, you didn't deserve it. Now you are a people. You are a people. You are invited to the banquet because of the grace and the presence of Jesus. And so as you continue to grow on as his people and as we find our way through this pandemic and as we continue to be the presence of Jesus in, the, in, in this church, may we walk humbly, may we do it with gratitude may we live with an understanding of the brokenness but the wonderful hope that is in jesus christ and may god bless you as you continue to grow and serve him